Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio Podcast. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio. I am excited to bring you two things that couldn't be more different uh, in their general uh topical content, I guess, is a good way to put it. (laughs) And yet, interestingly enough, both have to do with something uh, known as mental health, just in very different ways. Uh, Today's episode is, I'm going to do a nice little rant, and I want to preface that rant by saying, I am not going to interject any opinions, any of my own opinions. This is just going to be what I've read in the news. I'm going to regurgitate that. Well, let me retract that even. I guess I will give opinions about how this is being covered. I will definitely do that. But basically, it's a fight between two very famous people that happened on Twitter and then on uh, MSNBC and uh, Instagram. It's pretty interesting. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you will pretty soon. But the reason I say I need to kind of preface it is because I've gotten a lot of people that have had their feathers ruffled by some of the stuff that I've said on Vitality Radio over the years. And I, uh, you know, I guess it is what it is. I don't expect anybody to agree with me, nor do I expect anybody to take my advice. Uh, That's entirely up to you. But it has a lot to do with how this particular famous person is being positioned, I'll say, by the media. And uh, I never thought in a million years that I would be coming to her defense, but I am today. I think you're going to enjoy that rant. And then I'm going to talk about something that I talked about years ago on Vitality Radio. It's been a long time, though. Uh, The topic of psychobiotics. Doesn't that sound cool? Sounds cool to me. Psychobiotics. You've heard of probiotics. You've heard of prebiotics. You've heard of postbiotics. Maybe you haven't heard of postbiotics. I certainly hadn't until just a couple of years ago. I'll explain what that means. And then I'll explain how probiotics really, truly impact the brain based on actual clinical data. Now, you know, if you've been listening to Vitality Radio, that my brain is my biggest concern uh, due to family history. I'm more concerned about neurological disease than I am about heart disease or cancer or any of the other things that I'd like to prevent. Certainly don't want any of those things. But my brain is the one part that I am putting the most focus into trying to keep intact and functioning well because I've seen how a neurological disease can take somebody down in a way that is incredibly unpleasant. And so I continue to dig for more information to talk more in depth about the brain and what we can do naturally to help it. And today I'm going to be focusing a lot on the brain and probiotics. 
And I'm also going to be talking a little bit about fungus. So those are the things that you'll hear about on Vitality Radio. Vitality Radio, always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful, Utah. If you are outside of Bountiful uh, or if you're outside of Davis County or if you're outside of Utah, it does not matter because we can help you from wherever you are. Just give us a call, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. For more information on anything you hear on Vitality Radio, that's how you get a hold of us. We'll be happy to take care of you over the phone and if need be through the mail or UPS or, you know, any of those good delivery services. Okay, so without further ado, I want to make a couple of announcements that I think are very important that I think you're going to appreciate. So listen close, and then we're going to rant about what's going on between two very famous people in America right now regarding COVID. All right, so last weekend, last Saturday, a week ago, I had the opportunity to speak at an event called the Your Health Freedom Symposium. The Your Health Freedom Symposium was awesome. It was absolutely everything that I told you it would be and more. It exceeded my expectations, and I had high expectations. I loved it. Now, this is an annual event. If you were unable to attend or chose not to attend or whatever, I'm going to tell you about it next year, too, assuming the world is still here. I would highly encourage that you attend it. But if you wanted to attend, if you were intrigued by the information that was uh, disseminated there, a lot of the details that are being censored in media right now were discussed in detail at the Your Health Freedom Symposium, there is a way to get it on video. Now, it's not yet available, and I do not yet have the details. As soon as I do, I will share them with you. I hope that happens next Saturday, possibly the Saturday after that. I don't know. But regardless, if you go to yourhealthfreedom.org, that's yourhealthfreedom.org, you can sign up by clicking on the tab that says Get Involved. And they will then send you information on how you can obtain the video from the conference. Uh, I spoke, but so did uh, eight or nine other really, really great people, four phenomenal doctors that are coming at this from a bit of a different angle than what you're currently hearing in most mainstream media, including Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, who is in high demand right now, has been all over the news. Here's the great news. I got to meet these individuals. I got to have lunch with them once. I got to have dinner with them once. I got to spend time in the green room at the symposium with them, and they were gracious enough to offer me their time on Vitality Radio. So you'll be hearing from each of them as soon as their time allows. I have one scheduled next week. I uh, had one that I just recorded before, uh, just right before I sat down to record this episode. And that one will release next week. Now, these are going to be podcast-only episodes, podcast-only, because there are things that will be contained within these podcasts that, uh, frankly, get a little bit too hot for radio in terms of uh, what is allowed, for lack of a better term. And so you'll need to tune into the podcast to hear these episodes. My hope is to release one a week. I can't promise you that I'll be able to do that because it's on their schedule, not on mine, but uh, something close to that. And all told, I should have about six different special episodes stemming from what happened at the Your Health Freedom 
symposium this last weekend. So that's really, really exciting to me. And I hope it'll be really exciting to you as well because uh, the information is awesome. It's not mainstream. It's stuff that you're only going to be able to find in independent news gathering uh, podcasts and uh, papers and things like that online. So back to what I talked about right at the beginning. It is time for the vital rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Okay, due to restrictions on my time today, as I already spent 90 minutes recording an episode that will be released next week, as I discussed, uh, I had to breeze through the news a little bit to come up with this rant. Last night I was watching uh, TV and, uh, you know, I, I try, I, it's a challenge for me. I don't know if it's like this for you or not. For me, the challenge is I kind of know what I'm going to hear. And so do I want to keep hearing it? It's the same narrative over and over again. But I feel like I need to hear it because I need to know what's being said, and then I get to do my own research and figure out what I want to do with it. But in today's society, unfortunately, we are being told to just do and not research. You know, trust the experts, do as you're told, all that kind of stuff. And what's interesting is when someone with a big name, far bigger than I have, says something counter to that, Oh, baby, do they come under attack? And I, there may not be very many people in this world with a bigger following than one Nicki Minaj. Now, if you don't know who Nicki Minaj is, that's okay. I love music. I absolutely love music. It is um, maybe second only to uh, God and family and truth. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's real, it's right up in there. But I don't love the type of music that Nicki Minaj sings much at all, and therefore I know who she is, but I don't know. I couldn't name a song. But that's okay. What I do know is she has 22.6 million followers on Twitter, and she has 126 million, I think it is, followers on Instagram. No, 157 million. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. I was not a follower. I am now because I'm very curious. So I'm going to just go ahead and read straight from Business Insider, which is uh, something that MSN uh, puts out. So uh, coming uh, very much from the mainstream. And the uh, headline is Nicki Minaj told her 157 million followers on Instagram that she was locked in Twitter jail. But Twitter denies it. Okay, so uh, what what do we learn? She says she claimed that she was in Twitter jail after tweeting about the coronavirus vaccines. Minaj shared a story about her cousin's friend in Trinidad, who claims to have had a bad reaction to the vaccine. The rapper also says that she was invited to the White House. However, the White House claims that she was only offered a phone call. So that's the 
the gist of the story. Uh, let's read a little deeper. Rapper Nicki Minaj, who has been criticized recently for her claims on social media about the coronavirus vaccine, says she was in Twitter jail because of a recent post. Minaj on Wednesday posted to her 157 million Instagram followers claiming that she was unable to tweet after the social media company didn't like what she was saying. The rapper who originally took to Twitter to explain she did not attend Monday's Met Gala because she was hesitant about getting vaccinated against COVID-19, a requirement for the fundraiser, uh, started tweeting misinformation related to the vaccine after saying that a friend of her cousin in Trinidad became impotent after getting vaccinated and was left with swollen testicles and a ruined marriage. Okay, so I there are some things to unpack here. First off, Nicki Minaj is a rapper. She's not a doctor. She, I guess she's an expert in rap, um, which is good, but uh, she has 157 million followers, so she has a big voice. That's just on Instagram. Who knows how many followers she has other places? 22 million on Twitter, we know. And this is my favorite, favorite thing in media today, the word misinformation or disinformation. So what she did is she told a story in her tweet. This is what she said. They want you to get vaccinated for the Met. If I get vaccinated, it won't be for the Met. It will be once I feel I've done enough research. I'm working on that now. In the meantime, my loves, be safe. Wear the mask with two strings that grips your head and face, not that loose one. Okay, so that's one thing that she said. It'll be once I've done enough research. I'm working on that now. That seems reasonable to me that we should research things before we put them into our bodies. Uh, the other one, I, I, I apologize. I don't have it here. I thought I did. I must have closed that page. But the other tweet was literally saying that she had a friend of a cousin in Trinidad who had become impotent after getting vaccinated. Now, that is a anecdote, right? It's a story. It might be true. It might not be true. She could have totally made it up. I don't know why she would, but whatever. And of course, if she does have a cousin who has a friend in Trinidad who was made impotent after getting the vaccine, that doesn't have, there's no evidence that the vaccine did that anyway, right? But if, let's just assume, let's give her the benefit of the doubt that she does have a cousin in Trinidad who has a friend who was getting married, who is now impotent and uh, whose fiance has left him. Let's just take it at face value. That would give somebody pause, I think. I don't know why it wouldn't. At least you might want to think about it and say, well, geez, that's a pretty serious side effect. Maybe I should consider looking into this more. And that's literally what she said. <laughs> that's what she said. I'm going to look into it. But I'm not getting it because it's a requirement to be at the Met. I'm going to get it because I decide it's what's best for me. That's what she said. From that, she has been absolutely raked over the coals. Now, this is a woman of color, and she is being raked over the coals by other women of color who are saying to her, hey, sister, you've got to recognize that you've got this huge following, and you're very influential, and yada, yada, yada. And I get that. She does have a big following. However, does anybody think that these followers 
are so rabid in their passion for Nicki Minaj that they're going to say, well, that's good enough for me not getting vaccinated. And then the second question is, if you do think that that's the case, what are we supposed to do about people like that anyway? There's not a single person on this planet with one follower or a billion followers on Instagram that should have that much power that whatever they say is what you do. Certainly not someone who is a music star talking about a medical procedure. Does that seem reasonable to everybody? Seems reasonable to me. Now, if people are so easily swayed and influenced by their favorite musicians, then I guess that's on them. And I don't really think it's on her because that's what freedom of speech is all about, right? Okay, you have this big platform. You've got to be socially responsible with that platform. I guess, but not really. You sort of get to choose what you do with your platform. I don't always agree with lots of things that superstars talk about. In fact, I would say more often than not, I disagree with lots of things that superstars talk about. And then I get to decide if I want to follow that star anymore, whether it be an athlete or a musician or a movie star or whatever it is. I get to make that decision. And that's kind of the beauty of freedom. We get to have the information and then we get to do what we want with it. And sometimes what we do with it isn't good for us. And other times what we do with it is really good for us. A lot of stuff is neutral. But regardless of what it is, shouldn't she be allowed to say, hey, I haven't done this yet. I'm looking into it because I've heard some stuff that makes me concerned. Because that's in a nutshell what she said. At no point did she say, don't you guys go get it. In fact, she said, wear your mask. I'm looking into this. Now, I suppose if she came out next week and said, I've looked into it and I'm absolutely not getting vaccinated. This thing's scary to me. I'm not doing it. This thing happened to my cousin's friend and I read this stuff and that stuff. I'm not doing it. You guys don't do it. That's a little different. It's a little different because now she's saying, don't do it. She's not saying what I'm going to do. She's telling you what you ought to do. Still, I don't think she shouldn't be able to say that. I think she should be able to say whatever she wants. If she wants to come out in a week and say, hey, I read up on it. It's safe. It's effective. I'm getting the vaccine. Nobody's going to yell at her for that. And why is that? Because that is the narrative. It is what people are saying ought to be done. And by people, I mean the mass media and the government. The quote unquote experts on the topic. And this is the biggest concern I have about anything that's come out of COVID. More than how many people are dead. More than how many people are sick. More than how many people are vaccinated or unvaccinated more than any variant that has come or may come, my biggest concern is censorship. Because I don't care if it's me on this radio station in Utah and a little podcast 
that hits a few thousand people every week. Or it's Nicki Minaj, who has 157 million followers on Instagram, or anybody in between. And I don't care if it's Dr. Fauci, and I don't care if it's Dr. McCullough, who many of you don't know who that is. They're both quote unquote experts in the field of medicine. The difference is one has a bigger pulpit, which would also be the difference between me and Nicki Minaj. In fact, I would say, patting myself on the back, I probably know more about health than Nicki Minaj. (laughs) Probably. Maybe I don't. She might know a bunch. The point of the matter is the size of the platform doesn't matter. The sound of the voice doesn't matter. The color of the individual speaking doesn't matter. And the message itself doesn't matter. It is what the First Amendment protects in this country, and that is freedom of speech. And freedom of speech matters. It matters so much, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Because if we can't have a debate about these things, then we can't come to the very best conclusions. Right now, you have some people saying ivermectin's a horse dewormer. Other people are saying ivermectin is a savior for COVID. Well, which is true? Which is true? Do you know? If you don't know, if you haven't done that research, you can't believe either side. Or at least in my opinion, you shouldn't believe either side until you do the research and figure out which is true. Is ivermectin a horse dewormer? By the way, that is true. Or is it an extremely effective cure or treatment, I should say, for COVID? And by the way, there's a lot of research that shows that that's probably true. Maybe they're both true. But until you've done the research, you don't know. Are the vaccines safe and effective or do they cause impotence? Do you know? Have you done the research? If you haven't, then like Nicki Minaj said, the the wise Nicki Minaj, the queen of rap, maybe you should look and see. I don't think that's that extreme. In fact, I don't think that's extreme at all. I think if you're going to take vitamin C or you're going to take a vaccine or you're going to take a new prescription that your doctor's recommended for your cancer therapy, or you're going to decide whether or not you want to eat organic food or conventionally raised food, you probably ought to look into it and decide because you're putting it in your body. It's not the same as a t-shirt. It's not the same as most of the other purchases that we make here in this country. When it's going into your body, it matters a little bit more. Is that fair to say? I don't care even a little bit if you listen to me about this or not. I don't care if you know where I stand on vitamins and minerals and herbs versus pharmaceuticals and surgeries on natural things that potentially can help with viral infections versus vaccines that can potentially prevent them. I don't really care. That is up to you to decide. My goal is simply, in this case, to just 
ask you to look. Just look. Research it. Dig around a little bit. There's a lot of information out there. And yes, so much of it is being censored as misinformation and disinformation. So if you want to get to the bottom of what is being said, you have to dig a little bit deeper than just headlines. And you certainly should, I think, look at alternative sources, not just mainstream stuff. If you're a CNN person, just try Fox News. If you're a Fox News person, try CNN. They're both mainstream media, but they obviously come at it from a very different angle. But I would say also, don't worry about Fox or CNN or MSNBC. Dig a little deeper. Check out some other sources. If you're a liberal-minded political person, check out some conservative media. If you're a conservative-minded political person, check out some liberal media. And I'm not talking the big mainstream stuff. I'm talking the smaller stuff. Look around. Look around. Dig a little deeper. Check things out. What's the worst that can happen? That's a pregnant pause for a reason. What is the worst that can happen from being educated? You and you alone should be allowed to decide what you do for your health or what you don't do for your health. And it doesn't matter what I say, and it doesn't matter what Nicki Minaj says, and it doesn't matter what Dr. Fauci says, and it doesn't matter what Dr. McCullough said. It doesn't matter what any of those people say. It matters what you choose to research and what you believe. And that's why it's okay for me to have the queen of rap tell her fans, strap on your mask, I'm looking into this vaccine. End of rant. I'm going to cut to a break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about psychobiotics. It just sounds crazy, doesn't it? But we're talking about probiotics that can actually help your mental health. There's some really good clinical evidence that that is the case on the government's own websites. Uh, These are published studies in major journals and really awesome information, uh, some of which I just discovered myself two days ago. So I'll be right back to talk about what we can do with probiotics and fungus for our brains. When I come back, I'm Jared St. Clair. Oh, I always have people tell me to remember to do this. If you have questions about anything you hear on Vitality Radio, call us 801-292-6662 at Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. And again, I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. 
At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email. Info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Hello and welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. And I am so excited. For this next topic, because it's uh, it's hard, it's hard for me to decide, but it might be my favorite thing to talk about: probiotics, probiotics, and in this case, psychobiotics and postbiotics. I'll talk about what all that means in a moment. The reason I love talking about it so much is it's so deep. There's so much information, and the research coming out is just more and more exciting and compelling in terms of what it can do for our health if we know what we're doing and um, allow those things to do their job inside of our bodies. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Before I do that, I'll remind you that Vitality Radio is always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful, my family-run health food store, been serving Utah for over 44 years, and uh, we just absolutely love what we're doing. I started working there when I was just a, a little boy, and uh, now my son works there, and we just absolutely have a great time helping you understand a little better uh, what you can do to help benefit your overall health in a natural and safe and effective way. So that's what we do. You can call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801 292 6662. Now, I'm going to preface this psychobiotic conversation with a couple of things that I want to get out of the way first. Uh, one is, uh, if you didn't hear at the beginning of the show, I am going to be introducing a series, probably about six of them, of special podcast-only episodes stemming from conversations that I've had at Your Health Freedom Symposium last week. So, You'll need to be listening to the podcast, downloading that on your phone in order to get those. They won't be on the radio. So that's the first thing to keep an eye out for. The, the next, the first one is already in the books and will be released the first part of next week. So uh, stay tuned and listen for that. I think you're going to absolutely love it. It's a 90-minute long-form podcast with a bunch of good information in it. Uh, second thing to kind of preface what I'm going to talk about right now is I've been talking a lot about brain health of late. I had a world-renowned expert, Dr. Dale Bredesen, on. If you didn't hear that episode, thumb back through my podcast and take a look because uh, I think you'll really, really like that. But Dr. Bredesen talked about all the things that can potentially be done to improve our brain health and ward off things like dementia and Alzheimer's. And one of the things that he discussed is something that I've become a huge fan of called magnesium three and eight. And the reason I want to talk about this is just simply, well, a couple of things. You have the opportunity, if you'd like, to refer back to the episode where I talked about the magnesium three and eight, also back to the episode where I talked to Dr. Dale Bredesen, because if what I'm about to talk about 
taking care of your brain and preventing dementia and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease and all these types of neurodegenerative diseases is of interest to you, those episodes will be of interest as well. So as I've been digging into this and studying, one of the first things I started taking was something called lion's mane. And it's not what it sounds like if you've never heard of it. It's actually a fungi or a mushroom, a medicinal mushroom, not a uh, psychoactive uh, mushroom. It doesn't have psilocybin in it. So it can be taken by anybody and it can be taken during the day and it doesn't, you know, inebriate you in any way or anything like that. But Lion's Mane has some excellent research on it. I'm going to dig into that in just a minute. That was the first thing I started doing. Then I started looking into other things that I could potentially do to help improve my brain. And one of the things I decided to do was turmeric. Now, turmeric is not technically generally, I guess, considered a brain thing, but inflammatory conditions such as Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, all of which are inflammation of the brain, uh, matter. And I knew that I wanted to be on something that was consistently anti-inflammatory. And I was already on omega-3s, have been doing that for years, which is a great food anti-inflammatory. So I decided to add turmeric to the mix as well. And maybe I've been using that for four or five years or something like that. Lion's Mane maybe for the last two years or something close. I don't keep track of time all that well. And so that was kind of the initial, uh, those were the initial steps I took. Then I started learning about some other things. And one of the things I learned about was magnesium three and eight, which again, I go into deep discussion on that I don't have the episode, but maybe Elizabeth will uh, put it in the notes uh, in the description so that you can refer back to it. But magnesium three and eight is it's a it's a difference maker is the best way I can put it. And I'm not going to go into detail here about it, but I want you to know that if you are concerned about your brain, that is one thing that I would highly recommend. The research is phenomenal, and I have noticed a difference. I recall people's names better. I walk into rooms and remember why I went in better. There are some really, really cool things. And magnesium deficiency is rampant in this country anyway. So I would highly recommend taking a look at that. And now in the last uh, 20 minutes that I have on the show, I want to dig into the psychobiotic thing and the lion's mane. So let's talk about that. So lion's mane is is a mushroom. It's a medicinal mushroom. It's available in capsule form. It's available in powder. You can even buy it usually at Asian markets as an actual mushroom uh, that you can eat. And my feeling on it is get it in your body however you want to get it in. I have found it easiest to use either the capsules or the powder. Interestingly enough, I'm not a big culinary mushroom fan. I don't love mushrooms on food and that kind of thing. But lion's mane is extremely mild tasting. So even the powder is is very palatable. And um, now there's some really, really high concentration extracts of lion's mane. Uh, that I have yet to try, actually, because I was still working through my old stuff. But there's a new one from a company called Pure Essence that I'm going to jump on in the next couple of weeks and start using and see how that goes. Anecdotally, I've had very good feedback on Lion's Mane at Vitality Nutrition for years. But the research on Lion's Mane is catching up to the anecdotes. It's actually very, very cool. We, we know that clinically speaking, they are. it is showing that it has a potential role in the prevention of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. Studies have shown that mushroom extracts, specifically lion's mane, reduced neurotoxicity, so it helps to get toxins out of the brain, some of which mercury and aluminum 
have been linked to those neurodegenerative diseases. Uh, it helps to actually stimulate nerve growth and had neuroprotective antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties. A target of therapy for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's patients is to stimulate the production of nerve growth factor, NGF. Nerve growth factor functions just how it sounds. It helps stimulate neuron regeneration and regrowth. There are multiple compounds that have been isolated from lion's mane that have been discovered to be potent stimulators of NGF production, which actually makes it kind of unique because magnesium 3 and 8 doesn't do that. And the NeuroQ formula that I've talked about in the past that I also use that I'm aware of anyway does not do that. I haven't seen any research indicating that it would. And neither do the turmeric that I talked about, the omega-3. So the NGF production is, is a pretty unique aspect of lion's mane based on the research I've done up to this point. Now, you don't need to worry about really the names of these compounds. I mean, they're called arenosines, A, B, C, and D. Those are the compounds, but they know that those four compounds specifically are stimulators of NGF production, and that's what matters. Lion's mane may actually help guard against day-to-day -day battles with anxiety, depression, or cognitive lapses, such as mental fog. In fact, brain fog is one of the biggest things that people report to me that they've noticed an improvement on with lion's mane. And frankly, I didn't notice anything dramatic with lion's mane when I started taking it, but I did feel like there was some subtle benefit. The research was compelling enough that I thought I'll stay on it even though the benefit feels subtle because most of what lion's mane appears to do is preventative in nature. And so it's probably not as dramatic as some of the other things that uh, I've talked about, like the magnesium 3 and 8. But I do think it has a lot of, of deeper benefit. Interestingly enough, though, I've had many people tell me that they notice a big difference uh, when they take it, cognitively speaking. And I will say this too, I have yet to try the really high concentrated lion's mane like I talked about that is you know, about four times as strong as the stuff I'm currently taking. So I reserve the right to revisit this and tell you my experience with that after I've done it for a month or two. So as far as what they've determined so far, and some animal studies, some human studies have been done, what they've basically determined is that they believe that because of the NGF production, it is definitely neuroprotective and also potentially has some benefit in reversing some cognitive decline. That's pretty impressive. Most of the research has been done on about 1,500 milligrams a day of lion's mane powder um, as, a, as an extract, and which is actually not too much. That's a few capsules, uh, about a teaspoon of powder, uh, that kind of thing. But again, now there are some really high potency extracts that even one capsule would be more a higher potency than than that equivalent. So pretty cool stuff. Let's talk about a couple of the human trials that have been done. One double-blind placebo-controlled trial with 50 to 80-year-old Japanese men and women with mild cognitive impairment showed significant improvements in cognitive tests when compared with the placebo after 8, 12, and 16 weeks of the study. The lion's mane was discontinued at 16 weeks. And the study continued another four weeks, so for a total of 20 weeks. After those four weeks, cognitive scores decreased significantly again. So what we learned from that study is that it does improve cognitive function as early as eight weeks. It did appear to get a little better at 12 and 16 weeks, although not dramatically. Eight weeks seemed to be the, the 
most of the benefit you were going to receive, you were going to receive in that eight-week period. But after going off of it for four weeks, the scores declined. So it is something that needs to be on board in order to be effective. It's not something that probably has – well, and of course, there haven't been any two- or five-year studies on it. But uh, and, and, and I wonder potentially if over years or at least months, it may improve things in more of a permanent way. But based on the studies we have, it needs to be on board to be effective. Another placebo-controlled trial discovered reductions in depression and anxiety scores after just four weeks in women consuming cookies that contained lion's mane. I told you it didn't taste bad. They can disguise it in cookies. Uh, the researchers also noted that the mechanism behind the improvements in scores appeared to be separate from the stimulation of NGF. That's important. And that's something actually I had not read before until I was preparing this episode of the show. Why is that important? Well, it's actually pretty simple. Up until I prepared this show anyway, my understanding was the primary benefit of lion's mane was NGF. That was the thing. In the analysis of this first study, what they think they've proven basically is that lion's mane is working in other ways outside of what it does for NGF. And that's big because it appears to have maybe more of a multi-pronged uh, benefit as far as cognitive health. Now, another thing that's been proven about lion's mane is it's extremely non-toxic. It is a fungi. It is not a mushroom that you have to worry about, again, any kind of psychoactive properties at all. Um, in terms of making you inebriated or hallucinates or anything like that. But it is well tolerated at very, very high doses without any kind of uh, side effects on top of the fact that uh, it has phenomenal benefit based on the studies that have been done up to this point. There doesn't seem to be any fear of uh, using it with other medications or nutritional supplements or things like that. And I always have to put a caveat on there that if you are using medications, it's a good idea to pass that one by your doc and just see if he thinks there might be any interaction. But based on what I've seen, it doesn't appear that that is the case. So that's lion's mane. Uh, very, very cool stuff and something I've been on for a while and I guess I'm a little more empowered now to feel like that was probably a good decision because some of the newest research that I had not read a few years ago when I first decided to go on Lion's Mane is uh, coming out looking like it's better than I even thought it was. So very, very cool stuff. So what about this psychobiotic thing? So psychobiotics are what, well, I don't know what they sound like to you, but basically it means they're probiotics that impact the brain. Now, you may or may not have heard this. Most people, I think, that listen to media like this, uh, health and nutrition media, have heard of what's called the gut-brain axis. The gut-brain axis basically um, also, it's often called the second brain. The gut is, I've heard some people say it may even be the first brain in terms of how critical it is to mental health and to neurological function. But what we do know is that the vagus nerve that connects the two, the gut and the brain, carries more traffic than any other nerve system inside the human body, and that the gut itself is primarily responsible for a lot of different uh, neurological things, such as the actual production of things like serotonin, where 80 to 90% of it is actually produced in the human gut. That 
is substantial, especially when you consider that the theory for years has been that serotonin deficiency may be the lead cause of depression. But what I find really, really interesting, and because of my history and my background, to some degree, this just made sense. But I think, well, my experience has been talking to customers that come into Vitality Nutrition and they say, hey, I'm really struggling with anxiety or depression or even insomnia or ADD or any of those types of things. When I start to recommend probiotics, they look at me like I'm nuts. So I don't think intuitively you would think that a probiotic would help your brain. But most of us are at least aware that it absolutely helps the gut. And so then if we recognize that the gut and the brain are connected in a dramatic way and that one without the other is significantly problematic for, for human health, then we start to recognize that nourishing the gut may actually have a very direct impact on the brain and the central nervous system. So let's talk about that and what that looks like. There was a very specific type of bacteria, and I want to make this clear. This is not a human bacteria. This isn't something you get from mother's milk. It's not something that you get in yogurt, at least generally. I actually have seen a yogurt that has it in it now, but generally speaking, it's not something you get in yogurt uh, or kefir or things like that. It is a spore form probiotic, which means it's actually found in the environment. Uh, believe it or not, when your toddler is wandering around putting things in his or her mouth, he may be nourishing his gut biome with this very bacteria called Bacillus coagulans. Now, Bacillus coagulans is, it's my favorite. It's my favorite of all the bacteria simply because the research on it is just phenomenal and it's deep and it's varied and all the stuff that it can potentially do for me, for you from a substantial immune enhancement benefit to substantial gut health changes, including things like leaky gut and that kind of thing, to now substantial mental health changes. There's just nothing out there like it in my view. There's another one called Bacillus subtilis, and it's also a superstar, but based on my research anyway, there isn't as much data backing that one up as there is coagulants. That being said, one thing we know about bacteria is that they are varied and they all behave in different ways and they seem to be quite complementary to each other. So perhaps having Bacillus coagulans and Bacillus subtilis would make the most sense and there's some research indicating that that's the case. But for now, let's talk about Bacillus coagulans. Bacillus coagulans in a uh, human randomized placebo-controlled, what they call a one-to-one -one study where half the people uh, were uh, with a placebo and half had the active, taking 2 billion units per day. And, and this is important. If you've done your research on probiotics, you know that a lot of it, a lot of people are recommending 50, 000, or sorry, 50 billion, 100 billion, a couple hundred billion a day. Those are human strain probiotics when they're recommending that. What's unique about these spore-forming probiotics, which are not typically found in most probiotic supplements, is that they require far less to have an effect. So this particular study was done on 2 billion per day, which is a, a tiny little pinch of bacteria, actually. And they did that for 90 days. 
And they did it on a group that had major depressive disorder, the type that would typically be medicated, as well as IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. Now, you may not know this unless you have struggled with IBS or depression or both, but they are often interlinked. They are, there are a lot of people that struggle with both. And one of the things that modern medicine has done for IBS is to actually prescribe antidepressants. And that sounds so weird to most people. It sounded weird to me initially, but it makes more sense now as I recognize, and I shouldn't say now, but over the years as I've recognized that really important connection between the gut and the brain. So the question is, is a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, an SSRI, what you need if you have irritable bowel syndrome, or will it just help with the symptoms? And the answer to me is pretty obvious. If the gut is the center of the problem, then we want to treat the gut. And when we recognize that the gut produces a bunch of serotonin anyway, that matters too. All right, back to the study. So a 90-day study on people specifically with major depressive disorder and irritable bowel syndrome. Now, to get into a little more detail, to make sure it's clear for everybody, major depressive disorder is characterized by increased medical morbidity, mortality, yeah, mortality, feelings of guilt, low mood, reduced quality of life, disturbed sleep or appetite. And it's one of the most common mental disorders worldwide with a lifetime prevalence of 16% and a 12-month prevalence of 7% almost uh, in developed countries. Furthermore, between 30 and 40% of patients who suffer from MDD never achieve symptom resolution with standard antidepressant medicine. And I think that's maybe the most important thing to understand is that, yes, an antidepressant can help some people. And yes, they can they, they definitely have their place. But one of the things that we know they do not do is solve anything. They don't fix the problem uh, that people are dealing with. So researchers are looking for things that might. And that's where probiotics may come in. Now, irritable bowel syndrome is characterized by the alterations in bowel function or discomfort, such as abdominal pain or bloating, diarrhea, or constipation. The prevalence of IBS is estimated between 9 and 23% of the population across the world. And although IBS is classified as a functional gastrointestinal disorder, which is a chronic condition, recent developments suggest that IBS may have an impact on extra-intestinal symptoms, including uh, musculoskeletal, uh, issues, headaches and fatigue, menstrual cramps, sexual dysfunction, anxiety, and mood disorders. Additionally, clinical symptoms of IBS have been linked with quality of sleep and have a correlation with dementia. Thus, patients diagnosed with IBS require specific attention to all psychosocial factors, including major depression. So with all that being said, now we know that, yeah, there's definitely a link. It is important. And what did we find out? This is the thing that I think is so awesome. So in this trial of 90, uh, or sorry, in this 90-day trial of people with both major depressive disorder and irritable bowel syndrome, what they found was a dramatic improvement in both over the placebo, in both things with a probiotic, meaning that the probiotic through whatever mechanism uh, is, is there, is aiding in the gut 
and then also aiding in the brain. And as we know that the bacillus coagulans survives the stomach and gets all the way into the intestinal tract and colonizes in the colon, then we know that the rubber is meeting the road in the colon, not in the brain, but that that is impacting the central nervous system. And it's been hypothesized and I think really proven for the most part that that is happening through that connection through the vagal nerve system from gut to brain. So what does all this mean? Well, what it basically means is if your gut's not right, your brain's not going to be right. Now, I've said that for a long time. And like I say, people look at me like I'm nuts when I recommend a probiotic if they're complaining about anxiety. But one of the things that I have enjoyed over the years discovering because it has made it easier for me to help people is that when people are dealing with depression and anxiety, if I ask them, do you also have gut issues? Do you struggle with IBS or diarrhea, constipation, bloating or gassiness after meals, those types of things? More often than not, they say, yes, they do. Maybe they've got acid reflux. And I believe that most of the depressive and anxiety disorders can be treated at the gut level more effectively than, than they could ever be treated at the brain level by simply getting our microbiome back in check. So what you can ask yourself if you struggle with these things, if you struggle with these things, ask yourself what your antibiotic history is, especially as a young child between the ages of birth and four years old. If you were on antibiotics for ear infections, strep, those types of things. As an adult, have you been on antibiotics more than once or twice? If you have, and I'm talking about through your entire life, that is one thing that beats the heck out of the microbiota, which is where these probiotics go in and facilitate change. Now, I talked about postbiotics. When I talked about postbiotics, what I was referring to was the effect that these probiotics have once they get into the intestinal tract. They make things. They create reactions in the system. And some of the things that bacillus coagulans specifically helps to create chase away bad bacteria, make it inhospitable for bad bacteria, viruses, fungi, things like that, and hospitable for the good bacteria that's supposed to belong there, therefore creating a healthier environment inside the gut. This is a really exciting topic. It's really deep and varied, and I recognize now that I should have given it way more time because I'm not even close. So we're going to do a part two on this one uh, on next week's episode. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you have more questions, you can call us at Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. That's how you get a hold of us at Vitality Nutrition. And I will tell you, if you're looking for this specific strain of bacillus coagulans, it's found in a product called Back on Tract. Back on Tract is actually a formula that was originally designed to help people with uh, gut dysbiosis, we'll say, uh, upset stomach after meals, gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, those types of things. And it has this particular probiotic in it, the bacillus coagulans, and it has been a very, very big game changer for a lot of people. So if you're dealing with IBS type stuff, very interesting. But if you're also dealing with depression, anxiety types of things, this is to some degree an all-in-one product that can be very, very useful for you. I will get into more detail on this. We'll talk about Bacillus subtilis, one of the other probiotics. We'll talk about a few of the other uh, specific probiotics and what they've been proven to do when it comes to your gut and brain health on the next episode of Vitality Radio. Thank you so much for listening to me. If you have questions, call us at Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. 
That's 801-292-6662. We'll be glad to help you wherever you are and uh, take your questions over the phone. Thank you so much for listening to me and supporting this show. Please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. It helps to spread the word. Thank you so much. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this has been another episode of Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.